viewers and listeners who are out there in Padcost land. Well done, you. Welcome to the latest episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I remain your host, Jason Johnson Yellen. He remains Joshua Morrissey Hatton. And in each episode, we bring about a whiskey story. We discuss it. We chat. We riff. And when it's not Passover, we have a little whiskey tasting as well. So today, not Passover. So we will have a little whiskey tasting going on later in today's episode. But to begin, Joshua, Mm. before we hit record, I said to you, I just need you to trust me today. And you said, what did I say? Oh, I said, trust you. I, uh, yeah. You said where we're going, we don't need roads. (laughs) And then I grabbed a banana peel and like half a can of Coke or something like that and just popped it into my flux capacitor (laughs) Cuisinart. And uh, and away we went. And away we went. The episode started recording immediately after that. That would be a good thing to include, but we didn't have our laptops, so it wasn't going to work. Well, what you told me is that you had a surprise topic. And (laughs) I said that I'm very excited. So here we are, Jason's surprise topic. <laughs> that's that's some random capitalization in that topic. Wow, look at that. No, um, you have to capitalize excite. That's very not random. Excite. That's very Very excite. Yeah, okay. Uh, just capitalize the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. And so here we are at Extra Extra. And I'm looking around the whiskey world and I'm seeing South Korean millennials and older Gen Zers have increased first quarter imports of of whiskey, UK mm-hmm. and and US. Okay. You know, it's it's a big story, right? I'm seeing um Hamza Yusuf, who is the new first minister of Scotland, uh getting ready to talk to the British mm-hmm. Prime Minister mm-hmm. and saying, look, let's be kind to duty. Let's let's go easy here. Um Let's let's take care of the people of Scotland. The SWA joining in, same similar things. Nice. Okay. I'm seeing Bob Dylan opening a, a distillery in Kentucky to go along with his Heaven's Gate brand. I'm seeing Elvis whiskey launching a peanut butter flavor whiskey. Right. Right. Peanut butter and banana. Um, I, I'll be honest. You just... I'll be honest. I didn't click beyond the headline because I didn't want to know the answer. But here's here's what I was thinking to myself. You and I were were deep into a whiskey conversation on Friday. So before the weekend started, here we are on the other side recording this on the other side of the weekend. We were yeah. deep in a whiskey conversation, and I was thinking to myself, our listeners are whiskey drinkers. And you and I, I thought we're having a, a conversation about something that is that is pertinent to whiskey drinkers. So while the South Korea story is is a big one and, and we'd be having a fine time talking about it, and while the potential increase on duty in the UK for whiskey is potentially a big one, mm-hmm. or we could get into, you know, we've we've touched on it before, which is celebrity endorsements and what that means for whiskey. Mm-hmm. There was there was one tiny story from last week that I thought would be a good jumping off point for us to return to the conversation we were having just between the two of us at the end of last week. Okay. And the the story in the the spirits business was about Weems launching a blended malt. Ah. And okay. you and I were having a very real conversation I, again just between the two of us like no cameras, no recording, mm-hmm. no audience. Mm-hmm. We were just chatting about this and what we thought and I thought that would be a great conversation for us to return to and actually get it on wax or on video whatever the the medium happens to be. Okay. So so, so let me frame this, just since we're using the Weems piece as a, as a jumping off. There's 3,000 bottles of this blended malt, and it was okay. finished in Madeira casks. Hmm. And I want to begin where you and I were the other day, which is, do you see 
a future for blended malt. What do you think the current lay of the land is for blended malt? I will also say the reason I want us to cover this in Extra Extra is I would like, I would seriously like to hear from the viewers in the YouTube comments below. Because one of the things you and I were trying to get at the heart of the other day was, is there an audience? Where are consumers mm -hmm. on this? What are mm -hmm. consumers thinking about this? So please, 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 comments below. Joshua, my, my question to you remains, what do you think, what are you seeing in the world of blended malt? You know, I I was thinking about that conversation over the weekend and and trying to wrap my head around around what I actually thought and how I think it would play out. <laughs> because what do I actually think? I do actually think that um, we will see more and more blends, be they blended malts or just blends, blend, blended scotch whiskey, so malt and grain. And I think that's an inevitable thing. And I was trying to parse out what that would look like mm -hmm. because consumers don't come to it, right? Companies have to make it. Companies have to assign their marketing teams tasks to get the consumer excited about the idea of blended malt. Mm -hmm. And... And so there are many scenarios in which I think this could work. Here's how I thought about it. Now, you know, sometimes I like to connect dots, and sometimes those dots are quite far from one another, and sometimes <laughs> they're a little close. You would call that tortured, and I would call that – I would just say, well, just follow me. Just follow me. <laughs> I would call it tortured. That is well said, sir. <laughs> well – I was thinking back to 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. I, I could have the, the dates wrong. Mm -hmm. But it was around the time, and it was around the time that Impex started bringing in whiskeys from Oishi and Fukano. Mm -hmm. And until that happened, the idea of a rice whiskey mm -hmm. made no sense to anyone. In fact, you know, if you if you rewound the clock to the early 2000s, people would say, what, Japanese whiskey? What is that made from rice? And they would yep. say it in the pejorative. We, we've brought this up many times. Yep, my point yep. is, my point is, since 2016, 2017, here we are in 2023, on the heels of Oishi and Fukano, there are a few dozen different rice or rice and barley or, you know, different types of grain whiskeys mm -hmm. coming in from Japan that are, that are also produced with koji in the fermentation. And we're seeing it more and more. We're seeing it so much that even Buffalo Trace has started to experiment with koji in some of their experimental distilling. We know there's some distilleries um, all around the U.S. that are playing with koji and rice, even Buffalo Trace used rice, white rice, red rice. And, and so my, my point is, years ago I thought it would be Compass Box paving the way. And, and I would argue <laughs> Compass Box <laughs> paved a ton of the way. But, but seemingly over the past 20 years or so, they seem to be a singular voice in doing that. Yeah, strangely, that. right? Right. And, and I think now we're seeing more and more. Your example of Weems, I think, is a great one. Um, there, there's other brands that are bringing on their own blends. Even Johnny Walker brought back Johnny Walker Green, which is their blended malt. Granted, that was a, a couple years ago or whatever. My point is, it's, when we thought Compass Box was going to be the savior of blends, mm. they weren't. Granted, they definitely made a name. They got the whiskey dorks comfortable. But now more and more people are coming into the fold, releasing their own blends. So I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to to take this group of people, this ever-growing group of people, to make it happen, to get the consumers excited. 
part of the thing that interests me the most about it, and maybe this was part of your in- intention with this conversation, maybe it wasn't, but part of my interest is not in how they're going to do it. It's in the why they're doing it in the first place. Okay. Okay. Continue. Well, I've been thinking about that. Why? <laughs> you know, it's it's more and more you're seeing it. Now, again, I'm going to, I'll throw on the impacts cap w- one more time after Oishi and Fukano and I'll, I'll say, you know, under the Glenallachy banner, you've got the McNairs, mm-hmm. which is a blended malt. You've got White Heather, which is uh, a blend, so malt and grain. And then the Adelphi folks, Ardmerkin Distillery, just launched their McLean's Nose, which is a you know a high malt content, uh, sherry cask, West Coast style blended whiskey. And they'd been doing blends for a while, blending Scotch whiskey with Japanese whiskey, and, and doing all sorts of like cool experiments. This is a big thing for them, though. And as I'm seeing more and more of these distilleries doing this, I wonder if, and and again, maybe this is one of my tortured connections, Jason, I wonder if any of this is connected to the overall costs to, Mm -hmm. to single malt and the growing costs to single malt. What have blends been for many people? They have been the stepping stone to single malts. And if, if single malts have become that aspirational bottle, even your, you know, even some of your, your flagship bottling. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If, if those, if 60, $65 is an aspirational dollar amount, wouldn't 30, 35 be a nice entry point into a category? And so I, I partially wonder if, if that is the, the reasons for this, the reason for the season, if you will. Which which brings me back to my comment about consumers, which okay. is if you're a producer and you bring something to a consumer that has the right price, is there excitement from a consumer there? And one of the things you and I have been discussing about mm-hmm. blended malts and, and blended scotches is how are you selling it? How are you presenting it to a consumer so that it does become exciting and does become a product that a consumer wants to put in their mouth? Yeah. And and so it's interesting. And and looking over the the Weems piece, right, the tasting notes sound magnificent, right? Like, let me me just give you a a very, just a very quick blast here, right? Um, the whiskey boasts aromas of sun-baked peaches, dried apricot, and succulent nectarines on the nose, while the palate presents orange oil, sumptuous rich vanilla, and caramelized sugar. The finish rounds off with spices, toasted saffron, like never seen that in a tasting note, and crystallized ginger. And Oof. so as a consumer, I'm thinking, oh, shit, I want to taste that. <laughs> like that sounds like it's 46%. It's a blended malt, but... Gosh, those are those sound mm-hmm. like great flavors. And then they go, okay, and it's and it's fifty five pounds a bottle. Oh, and then okay. they they put in the dollar equivalent, but it's mm-hmm. not going to be what the bottle would be going yeah. for in America. So I'm not actually going to use it. But that that fifty five pounds a bottle, we know thirty five forty pounds a bottle will get you something pretty kick-ass from another producer, maybe a maybe a, a Douglas Lang or something like that. Yeah, yeah, right? sure. Right? In the UK, you're in mm. that kind of territory. And so I'm just thinking what it would be like to be at a tasting, being the one pr- presenting that yeah. and saying, you know, here's the bottle, here's the label. It's got this lovely, beautiful orange hue to it. It then fits with the tasting notes. Mm. And then you get the delivery on that. And and what what what's my new go-to? I've spoken for years about my my tasting society on the Palouse. Uh, you know, for years having Lafroig 10 cask strength at $35 be their go-to. <laughs> not the case anymore. Lafroig 10 cask strength is still their go-to, but it's not $35. <laughs> but but if, if you're gonna present me with a with a blended malt, 
it's going to have to be pretty kick-ass because I'm going to be thinking about my compass box, uh, compass box, Glasgow blend, right? Great King Street Glasgow blend. Now, yes, there is some grain in that. Yes, mm-hmm. that helps the pricing at thirty-five dollars mm-hmm. a bottle. Mm-hmm. I feel like once you get into the world of price points, I can. I think that can be a very scary realm in which to inhabit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, it's interesting when you. When you said 55 pounds for the Weems blended malt, my initial reaction, without thinking, my initial reaction was, seems a bit high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. quite often, people will use a dollar amount as an indication of quality, right? The more it costs, the better it's got to be, right? <laughs> um, so... So are they going after that crowd? Does that debunk what I was saying before, where blends are your entry point into into whiskey? Now, granted, part of me, I I had the Glasgow's um, blend, the Compass Box blend in mind because it was $35 a bottle. But but I also, again, I'm can, I'm probably going to throw the impacts hat on a few times in this conversation. Mm-hmm. But that, that was part me, of our conversation the other week, so I, yeah, I'm yeah. totally cool with it. Um, but but it makes me think of McLean's Nose, which is the name of um, the the Arden American blend or the Adelphi blend, and that's going to be thirty five dollars a bottle, forty six percent. You know, far more malt than grain, sherry cask, and I'm thinking, well, damn, that is a fine fine price man I'm, I'm trying to remember the question you threw at me but uh <laughs> well let me ask you this yeah, just while you've got the impex hat on yeah. how much is a bottle of ardnamurkin single malt in america and i know it varies by state but what's your ballpark it's gonna vary by state but you're looking at around 60 ish 65 ish somewhere somewhere around there right the reason i asked the question is because i'm as we're having this conversation, I'm trying to unpack your your earlier claim, and I'm I'm trying to work out whether blended Scotch is an entry. And I'm wondering if 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 a consumer meets McLean's nose and they go, okay, there's there's Ardna Merkin in here, and there's a good amount of malt in here. And I'm thinking I enjoyed that at thirty five dollars. Is that consumer thinking about their next step? Are they thinking about, okay, if I add on 30, I get a single malt and that's all Arden American. Is that going to be a partnership? Right? Is that going to be a pairing of purchase? Yeah. I, I just don't know that it works that way. A $35 bottle is, is on the high end for people who go into a bar and say, give me a scotch on the rocks. That is, that is mm-hmm. on the high end, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not unattainable. And I think the idea behind presenting a bottle for the people who say, give me a scotch on the rocks and they try that and they like it. The idea isn't, well, geez, I liked that. And that was 70% mall. And this, they're not thinking that way. They're thinking, I like this. And then mm-hmm. they're going to go to their cousin's house on Memorial Day or on Guy Fox Day or w- whatever, insert holiday here, and their cousin's going to have a single – they're going to have a Glenlivet. They're going to have a Longmore, and they're going to have – insert a single malt here, and they'll say, oh, man, there's there's this there's this you know scotch I've been having. I wonder if I'll like this. And then they taste that – Maybe it's a step up. Maybe it isn't, depending on their palate. But but typically, people find single malts to be that that step up, that increase of like flavor. And so I think that's the way producers view a lower cost blend is not how they're deconstructing it. It's make something really good that brings them into the next step. So less deconstruction and more more of an organic appreciation into the next step up. But it also seems like you're saying it's 
it's a, a step into a category, category across the category. It's not necessarily a vertical integration into a distillery. Correct. Yeah, across a category. Which is which is then interesting. Do you think it goes the other direction? Do you think somebody who loves Ardnamurkin single malt might look at the the Ardnamurkin blend differently? Oh, I sure as hell would. Oh, without a doubt, because I'm I'm going to have that bottle on my shelf, and if I'm having company over, people I know don't really appreciate whiskey. Now I've got a much less expensive bottle to be pouring. And if it's just a crowd pleaser, then it doesn't it doesn't matter, right? It's like good whiskey is good whiskey. I don't need to be pouring my $100 bottle of X to someone because to them it's just good whiskey. They're not going to <laughs> differentiate between this good whiskey and that good whiskey. In, in a social setting where you've got a glass and conversation is sure, the focal sure. point and not whiskey. Sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm also curious. And, and this again comes from something you and I have, have talked about previously, which is we think there's a, a natural hesitation mm-hmm. amongst single malt, single cask drinkers for blended malt. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think we can safely say there's there's a portion of the nation who have embraced single cask blended malts that we have put out, right? Our right. Isla blended malt just absolutely crushed because it says Isla front and center, right? Yeah. And it was crazy delicious. So, so uh, you know, again, we're always talking about these these individual pockets of consumers, and they may not even exist uh, mm-hmm. in the in the consumer world. But we think there's a natural hesitancy with blended malts with that title. Do you do you think that will go away? Do you think there's a way for that to go away? Do you do you see that? Softening. There's a good word for you. Do you see that yes. softening? That's look at you with words. It's an interesting point. You know, they we talk about the well, I was gonna say the industry being cyclical, but I but I think the world is cyclical. <laughs> um but but it can be difficult to be looking backwards. So what I'm trying to say is up until the eighties. You know, it really was the 80s that brought out single malt as the next step up. And once the Scotch whiskey industry did that, I wouldn't say there's no there was no turning back. I mean, blends still yeah. absolutely still can, dominate, yeah. right? It's it's still 88, 90% of the overall um, you know, sale of, of Scotch whiskey. But I would I would argue those that just drink a blend that just, you know, want scotch on the rocks, have an understanding in the back of their heads that like, oh, McAllen 12, that's the aspirational <laughs> one, right? Or, you know, Dalmore, you know, whatever, right? And so even though even though those that just stick with blends may continue to stick with blends, they have this understanding that single malt is really, you know, the that's the elitist whiskey, if you will. My point is, before that, it was blends was that was where it was at. I remember yeah. having a conversation with uh, with Chris Maben, you know, years ago, and Chris Maben, who's now with Elixir, um, you know, he was with Compass Box, and and he gave us a history. He was on our podcast, and he talked about how. Blends were considered the elite whiskey. That's where it was at. And you respected the blender for creating that 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 luscious yet soft, gentle whiskey because mm-hmm. malt was for the Highlands, Scots people, you know, th- those are for the animals up there <laughs> while we English folk enjoy this soft blend. You, you know what I mean? And so, and then when the mid-80s came around and single malt became what single malt is can we return to something that's close to blends being a bit more 
sought after. Uh, I don't, I don't know that we can get there given this modern sort of internet age, but I think we can get to a point where maybe a percentage two or point, a percentage point or two more <laughs> can come back to blended. Whew, that, was, that was a tough, tough series of, of words to, to string together. I think you pulled it off though. I, I'm not even going to throw around the word tortured. I think you pulled that <laughs> off. But, but it does come back to something you were saying early. And I liked it when you brought up about the Koji rice whiskey coming in, Oishi Fukano mm. coming in, mm-hmm. because part of our conversation previously was the success of marketing and the successful marketing yeah. of single malts and of age statements. And I feel like there's some unpacking to do around blended malts, right? And there's this, you asked this very question, right? Why did you do it? Why did you want to bring (laughs) this blended malt or blended scotch to the marketplace? And I think there's one leaning, which is, oh, it was a delightful set of flavors and they wanted me to taste these flavors. Mm -hmm. And there's another leaning that says, (laughs) oh, they wanted to offer me a cheaper product that I would go to a store and pick up. And Mm. maybe it's both. I'm learning this as I get older. Maybe it's both, right? (laughs) It doesn't need to be one or the other. But there needs to be some backing behind blended malt, even blended scotch, and what can be done in that category. And <sighs> we're back to this word again. Stories need to be told, but not, again, marketing bullshit stories, but genuine flavor, taste stories, right? Maybe maybe some history. Maybe uh, here's where this category used to be. Here's a category we can, we can yeah. return to and dip a toe back into. Was it... And I'm I'm trying to think while I'm asking the question, was it the case that distilleries would be known at the same time for a blended malt or a blended scotch? Because I'm leaning towards probably not, right? Can you rephrase that question? Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm playing around with this idea that here here comes Ardnamurkin, and Ardnamurkin is going to mm-hmm. tell us about the Ardnamurkin Scotch, blended Scotch that contains Ardnamurkin, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think, you know, when there was Ballantines and there was White Horse, right? I, I have a perfect example, Jason. Yeah, go 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 go. What, what when you go to the Krigeliki distillery, what what's on there? Indeed, indeed. The, the very large lettering of doers. Indeed, yeah, indeed. it's it right. And that's them pointing out that Krigeliki plays a massive role in the backbone of their blend. I you know, um Diageo would would highlight Cardu in in one of their Johnny Walker labels, right? Johnny Walker 18 famously had Klein Leash as, as the backbone. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it is a way for these companies to highlight the malts within their blends. I think, Interesting. I think there's a smart way of doing that. And that gets to what you were saying before when you asked the question, you know, is, is this Arden American's way of getting the scotch drinker into Arden American through their blend? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe it is. Maybe that's an entry point. Um, and, and if Kurgelicki is is the example, and, and that's what we're <laughs> going to be drinking in a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say, I think a little bit has become now. <laughs> Pre-poured. Oh, wow. I haven't even been sipping on this as I've been going. Can I no, ask this you is, a question? Yeah, please. I would uh, love for you to ask me a question. Okay. Did you have something in the in the chamber you needed to ask me before you handed the reins? No, no, no. I just didn't want uh-huh. us to give up on our on our current conversation just because we moved on to a single malt. Oh, no, no, so, no, no. So, yeah, if you've got a question for me, fire away. I do. Do you think about the differences between blended malt and blended squa- squash? <laughs> blended squash? Have you had any blended squash before? No, no, no. I do. Um, I actually do. Robinson's Special <laughs> R, apple and blackcurrant. 
is a blend of apples and blackcurrants. Absolutely. Yep. You have you have spoken to a strength of mind, Joshua. This is a good question. <laughs> but you know, in in some ways, people will use the word blend in the pejorative, no matter what it is. And both mm-hmm. you and I very you you and I know very well that blended malt is often just as good as single malt, sometimes even better than some single malts. And blended scotch can also do magic, magic things. There's no doubt about it. But do you think that there is a strength of, of blended scotch over blended malt or vice versa? When it comes to introducing the category of a blend to the consumer, what is... How are they using that to bring the consumer in? Yeah, I, I, I most certainly have an answer ready to go there because I, I went up the ladder as a, as a younger gentleman and, and now I'm investigating coming down the ladder. And while I was at the top of the ladder, yeah, I was a single malt snob, no doubt about it, right? I grew up, and I've, I've said this literally a million times, grew, grew up, grew up, that was... Southwest wow. Scotland, if you weren't huffing glue, you were not living. Uh, it was first the, the, the blended squash and then the glue? It, it, it's a gateway. Yep. The, <laughs> the blended squash is a, is a gateway to the gluing up. Um, yeah, so so I was raised in a blue-collar family. It was plastic jug, cheapest chips, raw gut. Then it became the good blended scotch. That mm. was the aspiration. Nobody was talking blended malts in my family. Nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody. It was the good blended scotches, and then you were into the entry single malts. And once you're in single malts, ooh la la, foie, 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 you know, mm. boy, were you living a life. <laughs> and so I, I most certainly, once I got to Aberdeen University and, and Whiskey Society and into single malts, thought, oh, I've I've made it, right? This is this is where my whiskey journey is meant to get me. yeah. And then from the top of that ladder, taking a little look down and seeing the blended malts and thinking, okay, you are a malt, but you are blended. <laughs> and then beneath the blended malts, seeing the blended scotches and thinking, mm, there's, there's some grain in you. There's some column still distillate at a young age uh, in you. Mm, mm, Mm-mm-mm. And and so wow, really, we're so a snob, hundred percent, absolutely. I wasn't even drinking rum or bourbon or rye, like single malt snob through and through. Yeah, there you go. And so, as as you rightly said at the beginning of this, compass box, right? It's like mm-hmm. ooh, artisan. Okay, doing something different. I will say I started out having more interest in blended malts from Compass Box than blended scotches from hmm. Compass Box. So I I definitely think blended malt still has a higher cachet than blended scotch. <laughs> Did an airplane just land in your uh, in your office there? Isn't that tremendous? That isn't even that close to me. Uh, that's the air brakes of an 18-wheeler coming too hot into a 90-degree turn uh, that Jason, brings it onto my street. We call that a Jake brake. Oh, interesting. I've never heard yeah. that. Jake, Jake brake? Yeah. And now it's, now it's gone from one straight 90-degree car, now it's going down the other straight. I can hear it blasting along. So there we go. Hey, 18-wheelers and horse and buggies. We see it all here in rural Virginia. So, so yes, to answer you, Joshua, there is definitely a, a cachet to blended malt. And I think there is work to be done to then open the doors further for blended scotch. And I, you know, any time I hear the word blended scotch, I think Johnny read, and I remember being on a plane 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was early on in my single malt journey thinking, oh, this is the bee's knees. This is where I'm meant to be. I remember being on that plane and they didn't have single malt. And so I got a Johnny Red. And I remember having that. And I remember distinctly thinking to myself, this is why we drink single malt, right? It was a completely different experience. Yep. Just completely, right? It's like we've always said about the word whiskey being used around the world. And suddenly you go, oh, I don't like bourbon very much, right? Like, yeah, but bourbon isn't meant to be single malt scotch, right? It's right. It's, I know they both use the word whiskey. It's a completely different grain bill. It's a completely different process. Yeah. It's a completely different product, right? And I feel like as we move single malt, blended malt, blended scotch, I think we're always, we, right? Single malt snobs are looking mm-hmm. for where's the malt in this? What am I drinking? What am I getting? What is my experience? Yes. I think that has to be deconstructed and, and perhaps re-educated. Right, because it's there's a certain robustness that the malt brings to the palate that right. younger grain can't can't really do. And that's right. You know, then then you can have a, a discussion regarding younger grain and older grain and so on and so forth. But I want to rewind a little bit. I remember years ago, and this may be 10 years ago at this point, this was back when our friend Sammy Simmons was with the Balvenie. Mm-hmm. And Balvenie had this really cool campaign where they were focusing on craftspeople. Mm-hmm. And they, they weren't even looking at whiskey. Like it, it was just people, you know, making cars and tools. And I don't even remember yeah, what. Yep, shoes. But shoes and things like that and and what i really enjoyed about that campaign was it had it had little if anything to do with the balvenie i mean it you know it was obvious what it was saying yeah. was hey yeah. and and we are crafts people we make great whiskey yeah but what i liked about it not being directly connected to the balvenie making their whiskey is it connected to anybody making anything? And it really helped me. And I'd already been familiar with Compass Box for a good while at that point. But it really got me to pay attention more to what John Glazer was doing with his whiskeys and, mm-hmm. and think about where he was coming from when he was producing it, not just what that final product was. And I think that could be a, a very cool way in which to think about w- why these blends are what they are, where they're coming from. And and I think if you think about it from that standpoint, it that thought holds a, a certain weight. It changes the way you think about that final. Absolutely. Product. No, I, I think that's a real smart comment, and I and it fits so perfectly with my own upbringing which was blends were something you got away from. Mm. You, know, blend, you were only drinking blends because that's what you could afford, right? Yeah. You wanted to drink whiskey, you afforded the blend, that's what you drank. But back to our last episode of Extra Extra, right? If you had a little bit of extra money floating around, right? Maybe, gosh, maybe you could treat yourself to a single malt. Holy moly. And then the question became, well, which one and how much would yeah. you spend on it? And would it get bang for your buck? And would you be doing it right? And did you know enough? Blah, blah, blah. So, so yeah, so, so to have an entire upbringing that is you only drink blends because that's what you can afford, it's mm-hmm. hard to then return to that arena and say, oh, I'm actually here to explore flavor. And I think that's part of the messaging, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, I, I like that, yep. Right, and getting getting away from, oh, they're only offering me this blended malt, blended scotch, because it's cheaper than the rest of their offerings, right? And I think that's the success of, of John, is it's never felt like John Glazer at Compass Box was offering up something to take money out your pocket, it always and, and this could be rightly or wrongly. Right? Please comment below. Please write in if you're if you're listening on the podcast. Um, right? It, it never felt like he was trying to take money out of my pocket. It always felt like 
he was playing around with flavors, playing around with options and saying, mm-hmm. all right, here, here is the expensive stuff. Here is the old grain component, but here's the middle ground stuff. And then, gosh, could I produce something really worth drinking at the $35 price point? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I pulled yeah, that off. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and so, again, rightly or wrongly, that's always been my feeling about Compass Box. And I'm sure there were meetings and it could have been when, you know, Bacardi had had minority stake in Compass Box. And they were like, look, we need something at $35 on a shelf. Could you make that happen tomorrow? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Maybe that was the conversation. Who knows? But, but I think that's where they've been successful. Yeah. And it, it is interesting seeing others trying to come into that realm. Uh, the, the whole time we've been talking, I've been thinking about Woven in Leith. And and ah. how are how are woven going about this? And what stories are woven trying to tell? And they've yeah, got sure. numbered releases and fifty CL bottles, and you can see, you know, how one plays around there with flavors, obviously components, obviously, but telling a story that's of interest to a consumer who wants to partake in that story with you. Another great example, and and I'm gonna invoke the name of our of our good friend Ollie Chilton is the new Elements of Isla range mm-hmm. where you've got mm-hmm. three core products that are blended Isla malts. Mm-hmm. And that's a great addition. We, right. And and yep. here we are back to w- what are the reasons for that? I'm sure there's all sorts of reasons for that. But you know, when I say that, I mean creating blended Isla malt knowing the cost of what of Isla casks like yep. I, i'm sure there's a, a a monetary reason for that however we know ollie and we know that he is a chaser of flavor just like we're a chaser yep. of, of flavors and and you know i say this without my impacts hat on those new elements of Isla blended malt are smashing. They are fantastic. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah. They're so no expertly made and so satisfying for the true Isla fanatic. And I and I think that just like plenty of compass box examples, just like, you know, I'm sure there's many other examples that we're not even thinking of right now, is a good example of Blending can be magic. It just mm-hmm. can be, right? Yep. Yep. So yeah. if blending uh, can be magic, and if Weems can put blended malt into Madeira and it can be magic, what about the Hanukkah gift that I uh-huh. got you that we that we have got in our glasses this day? The Kregeliki 13 with the Armagnac finish, which again, not listeners and viewers might actually remember the price tag that we used for this previously, but was this 60, 70, maybe 65 yeah, uh, dollars? Yeah, somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. Uh, this was in the number 20 position or the number, yeah, this was the number 20 was in the Whiskey 20? Advocate uh, Top 20. Yeah, I think Only 20? Oh, it's either 19 or 20. It's no wow. higher than those positions. Yep. Wow. So yep. my hesitancy, and injury, I think, came in at 17. Yeah, injury um, came in at 17. Yeah, this um, is 19 or 20 uh, position. So you, again, <laughs> along with our conversation from Friday, this was our dram from Friday as well. And you opened your bottle on Friday. And it's, thoughts? So, and anybody is familiar with the standard Kriegelke 13, and this one is thir- also 13 years mm-hmm. of age, by the way. Mm-hmm. I I would argue this is not too different from the standard 13, but where the standard 13 has all of that, you know, first fill wood that's really amplifying the cereal notes, the grain notes, the heaviness to the whiskey these Armagnac casks are highlighting the fruit. It's, it's, you said it before, before we hit record, it's, it's apricots, it's apricots, it's peach rings. It's like, it's, it's candied orange peels. It's it's all sorts of just light, delicious fruits. And then, and then you get that classic Kregelke texture, that worm tub 
texture going on. Mm. With just a hint of that phenolic, right? Krugelicky always has that slight phenolic slash delicate sulfury note that kind of goes away, you know, somewhere between ages 11 and 13. But when it stays there and it's just that nice little facet, it's awesome. And I, and I couldn't get this song out, out my head. Um, whiskey, 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 I made you out of malt. Some people <laughs> prefer bourbon, but hey, that's not their fault. <laughs> Um, this is, this is glorious. And, and I, and I would say, I just made that up by the way. Um, Oh, I could tell. Don't you worry. You don't have to tell us that. Jason. Um, Torture comes back to mind. Rhymes comes to mind. Um, I would argue that, that this being at the 20 spot, you know, 20 out of 20, I, I think is doing it an injustice because I think this is a remarkable, remarkable whiskey. And maybe it's just, I'm a, I'm a Kregelke fetishist. Maybe you're a, Kr- what do you think? Do, do you think 20 is where it should be? Of course not. Of course not. It's delicious. <laughs> look, look, yeah, you and I have tasted the number one on that list. Yep. You and I have tasted the number 20 on that list. I would invert them in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, in it faster than a heartbeat, a nanosecond. <laughs> like what? What did we say about the Jack Daniels? Right? Yeah, cracking little drinker. Friends come over, pour it for them. No doubt yep. about it. Right? This Kregelicky. People come over, and you've got this Kregelicky. Okay, sit down, pay attention to what I'm about to pour for you. Mm-hmm. Please tell me what you think about it. Right? Like it's it's just a completely different drinking experience. At the same time, as we've talked about through. Today's chitty chat, which has been everything I hoped for, and and I'm watching the clock on the wall. We're getting very close to a tight 35 here. Very so, close to 35. Very Ooh. close. We got a couple of minutes left. This is everything I want, right? Mm. And I'm a single malt snob. Right? <laughs> however, <laughs> however, however, yeah. Look at where we've gone with finishing in the world of single malt, yeah. right? There was a time when finishing had the type of reputation that blended malts and blended scotchies had to the Mm -hmm. single malt snob. Now we completely accept it. It's just a part of it. Yeah, give me a different flavor. Yeah, add to the lineup. Yeah, give give me something else to explore. Give me something else to buy, right? To the the point where, to the point where, you can be at a festival or at a tasting or, you know, insert scenario where you're pouring whiskey for people here. It's become the vernacular where people like, oh man, I really like the sherry finished ones. I like the Madeira finished ones. I like the (laughs) rum finished ones. And I find myself more often than not saying, well, actually that's not a finish. This is a full maturation. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow. Like, but it's sometimes it's like a, oh wow they don't even care they just like the finishing like it yep. went from like oh finish to like ooh a finish yep right it's yep. uh and it's and how long did that take yep to 10 years 15 years right so how long will this will this journey of blends take but here's here's a question to get us out of here and then I'll I'll give some email addresses here are you excited to take a blended malt and or blended scotch journey. Yes. Yes, I am. I am because I, I tie it back to the reason I'm into independent bottlings. I, I, I go down the, the independently bottled whiskey path, just like you do, just like a lot of our viewers and listeners do, because you're searching for those new flavors and what, better way to to discover new flavors is by tasting new flavors being developed by blenders right they're creating new flavors yeah that's kind of special I, I think single casks providing a multitude of flavors are accidents blending yep. 
for multitudes yep. of flavors is purposeful and 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 I kind of like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, along yeah. with the along with the wovens we mentioned, the compass box, uh, obviously Weems's blended malt today. I was also thinking for the American side, right? Look at the rise of barrel, right? Barrel oh were in gosh, the yeah. were in that top twenty as well. One hundred. Some of the yeah. flavors they are bringing together. Um, I was thinking about our own Indiana marriage of of bourbon and rye that we did, right? Chasing flavors, sure. and so yes, to answer my own question, I am excited to take blended malt blended scotch journeys to see what flavors are being presented. And if we can do that and save a few pennies in our pockets, gosh, that, that's all to the that's best. Not so bad. That's not so bad. Listen, I said at the beginning of the episode, please, please, please put your comments below. I really do want to see consumers. You, you're all consumers like Joshua and I are. What are you consuming? What are you looking for? You know, is blended malt a bad word? Is blended scotch a bad word? Talk to me, talk to us about barrel, right? Are you exploring bourbon rye combinations as well? And finishing that's coming into to that realm as well. If you're listening on the podcast, you want to get involved as well, you can either send us a note, info at singlecastnation.com. I will be sure to save it as a PDF. Uh, or questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. And we'll hear from you that way as well. We will, I'm, I'm making a promise here, at the start of the next episode of Extra Extra, we are going to circle back to talk about the comments below and any emails that we get. So I, I really am serious about continuing this conversation. What should people be doing, Jason? Smashing that subscribe button below. And apparently ringing the bell. And ringing the bell. What is ringing the bell? Uh, Something oh, Jason, else. I think that means something completely different. <laughs> Smash completely. the button, ring the bell. And then, <laughs> I don't know, something magical happens? I, I'm not entirely sure. Listen, we're really cutting it close on a tight 35 today. So thanks to you, Joshua. Thoroughly, that was exactly what I wanted to discuss. Once again, happy Hanukkah on your uh, Krigeliki 13. Thank you. Thanks to Roma uh, in New York who were carrying this and managed to get it to me too sweet. And I was able to share it with you, Toot Sweet for Hanukkah, as well. So uh, sincere thanks to them. And until next time, Joshua, we will get out of here by saying peace. Peace.